You're listening to the Forging Bio podcast, a show that illuminates invention, not in some distant laboratory, but in the very fabric of our everyday lives. We're sitting down with innovators in biotechnology and biomanufacturing to talk about how microbes and molecules are making the future of industry. We'll hear incredible stories of inspiration, revolutionary ideas, and approaches to creating ingredients for food, beverage, nutrition, pharmaceuticals, beauty, agriculture, materials, and more all shaping the future of health, wellness, and prosperity. Hello, welcome to the Forging Bio podcast. I'm your host for this first episode, Casey Lipmeyer. I'm the Senior Vice President of Innovation for Conagen, which is a synthetic biology and biomanufacturing company. With me is our guest, Angelique Burke, VP of Fragrances for Sensogen. Let's dive right in. Uh, Angelique, uh, can you give our listeners a friendly introduction to Sensogen and share a little bit about how the company uses biotechnology to create fragrances that stand out in the market? Hi, Casey. It's a pleasure to be here. Sensogen is the first biotech flavors and fragrance house. And as you said, I'm the VP of fragrance, so I'm focused on perfumery powered by biotech. How the company uses biotechnology to create fragrances that stand out in the market is a wonderful question because we all know of the trend of the desire for consumers to have more natural and eco-friendly sustainable fragrances. And until now, the way to make natural fragrances was to make blends of essential oils. Unfortunately, blends of essential oils are limited because of the availability of those materials. They may vary because of crop and climate. They can be very pricey. They can have issues with regulatory. They just don't compare to synthetic fragrances, which are the vast majority of the market right now when it comes to fragrances. What biotechnology does to help with natural fragrances in the market is that the biotech molecules allow us to create fragrances that are both natural and very solid competitors to their synthetic equivalents. Okay, I have a ton of questions. It's a very interesting set of information you've just given me. So uh, let me start from the first one. Uh, so you had mentioned that a lot of fragrances are made from essential oils. And perhaps for our listeners, maybe it would be helpful for you to just define that. Because I think that there's a misunderstanding among a lot of people where essential oils might mean it's essential for humans uh, to have in their diet like a vitamin. But I don't think that's the case. So, so where does, where does the essentiality of these oils come from? What does that actually mean? That's a really good question. And you're right, I'm using them so much that I don't even think... I need to define that. So an essential oil, so think about it. You know, you've heard of lavender oil. Mm -hmm. You might have heard of tea tree oil, can be used in skincare. You might have heard of eucalyptus. So these are extracted from the plant. So you, eucalyptus is a tree and its essence, when you crush the leaves and the, and the wood and extract the oil out of it, just like you would make uh, extract oil out of nuts, for example, is what the essential oil means. Mm. It's, Oh, so it's, a, it's an essence of the plant. It's exactly the essence of the plant. I see. Okay. And it has the whole gamut of, it's basically a fragrance in itself. You know, it's not just one chemical component. It's a myriad of them. Okay. So that's what an essential oil is. So in your opening remarks, yeah, you also uh, were talking about synthetic fragrances, but these essential oils sound natural. I mean, they're from plants after all. So what's the difference exactly and and Maybe you could explain uh, the difference between a synthetic fragrance and an essential oil-based fragrance. When perfumery started, chemistry was not really existing yet. So people would 
turn to nature mm-hmm. and use blends of leaves or extract leaves or twigs or anything to make those scented components, blend them together to make something smell beautiful. And that's how fragrances started. Makes sense. Right? Then organic chemistry, synthetic chemistry came about, and we were able to make new molecules that were not necessarily existing in nature. We were able to make more of them. We were able to make them at a better cost. And um, research allowed the fragrance industry to really diversify and cater to a wide range of taste. Mm. So that's how really the fragrance industry exploded to become more available to everybody. Okay. So now when you buy a shampoo, when you buy a laundry detergent, whatever you smell is mostly a synthetic ingredient. Coming from petrochemicals. Most, yes, okay. absolutely, from Petrochem. Okay, and so that brings us around to the topic, I think, of uh, the rest of our conversation here, and that's uh, how biotechnology, a newer technology than organic chemistry, obviously, or petrochemistry, how that is actually being used to make fragrances. How does that play into it now exactly? Interestingly enough, as you said, biotechnology is a much younger science than synthetic organic chemistry based on, on petrochemicals. It kind of came about in the fragrance industry, we've been using synthetics for the longest time, right? Mm -hmm. Then we have this trend, everybody wants things more natural because we were aware of the climate change issues, we want to be more sustainable, we all have one planet that we want to protect. So people naturally turn towards natural. The crux of the issue here is that you don't necessarily do your planet a favor by over-harvesting some plants in order to get natural essential oils. Mm. And the example that um, is uh, very known in the fragrance industry is, for example, the impoverishment of Indian sandalwood, which has basically been almost driven out of India because it was overly harvested and exploited. Right. So natural essential oils are not necessarily a good thing. Comes biotech who's able to create some of those fragrance molecules that we traditionally got from nature, but now we can make it in a much more sustainable way. Mm, I see. Uh, that's, that's fascinating. Uh, so, Angelique, now, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm all about biotechnology, and, and I guess I just want to explain for our listeners that once you've actually gone ahead and, and done some biotechnology to create a strain that makes a new fragrance or, or a new flavor molecule... Um, you actually have to make it, and the way to do that is through biomanufacturing. That's just a nice word for fermentation, and it's basically the same thing as fermenting alcohol when you make yeast, but of course, instead of making alcohol now, you're making a fragrance molecule or a flavor molecule or something like that. Anyway, it's a very exciting technology, and of course, I could go on about that for decades, but uh, let's get back to uh, consumers and what they're interested in, because that's what really what's most important. So... Yeah, consumer preferences are constantly changing, and I'm just kind of want to hear a little bit more of your thoughts about how the new biotechnological fragrances and flavors can stay ahead of the curve. I mean, where's the innovation going over the next 50 years in this space? Well, I think our tastes are constantly evolving, and they're based on our interests. And I do feel that people being aware of the the need to be more respectful to nature is guiding them towards um, choices of, of the products that they're using in order to be more respectful in terms of maybe 
packaging, uh, recycling the packaging, where the products are coming from. Are they made from bio, um, from petrochemistry? Are they, are we hurting nature? Are we creating more waste when we use those ingredients, uh, those products? So biotechnology gives us tools to make products that answer the market needs. So that's how biotechnology helps the fragrance industry stay ahead in terms of innovation. A great example is the, the collaboration that Sensogen and Conagen had um, to develop a musk molecule. Musk is a, a, f a family of odorants that smell wonderful, that everybody loves. It's hard to, to put them into words, but think about a fluffy cloud. Think about a cozy blanket, a baby skin nuzzling into a little soft baby hair. I like all of those things. All of those things are wonderful, aren't they? And that's, that's what a musk is. Unfortunately, a natural musk, the, tr the natural musk have been taken in pretty cruel ways from animals. Mm. They've been banned and replaced by synthetic musks, which came, smelled wonderful, but had their own wealth of issues. We have issues with biodegradation, they bioaccumulate, they can... Maybe just define those terms for our listeners as well. Oh, so... Those big, so musks are traditionally very big molecules. They don't smell very strong, but they stay there. So that's why I was talking about this blanket. There's kind of like more like bottom notes. So they, 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 you smell them for a long time. It's, they're responsible for, you put a fragrance and then the following morning, like you still smell a little bit on your shirt. And mm. that, that's those heavy base notes that haven't evaporated, like a lemon smell mm. would okay. evaporate, right? You can, I can picture imagine. that, yeah. right? Those big molecules, if they've been made, by synthetic chemistry, there's a chance, and most of them are not biodegradable. That means they don't break down. Mm. And because the market loves those notes, a lot of products contain very large amount of them. So after a while, they, because they don't degrade, they just accumulate in nature, mm -hmm. which is not a really good thing. Yeah, right. So I, I don't mean to have gotten you off track, but you were mm -mm. just starting to describe a few of the ways that Conagen and Sensogen have collaborated on molecules. And you started with musk, oh, but I'm I sorry, think you were going to continue. And yes. then I got, I got excited about musks. So, <laughs> so um, the collaboration between um, Conagen and, and Sensogen when it came to the musk, mo musk molecule, which is one of our first collaborations, was basically at the onset of Sensogen when we started to make this biotech flavors and fragrance house. And we started to talk to Conagen, who's our uh, research partner, mm -hmm. whom we work exclusively with. We said that the, the very important molecule to be made natural was musk. And four weeks later, we received a sample made by fermentation. Yeah. And it smelled like musk. And it was, it was amazing to think that you guys were able to, to give us such a molecule when the only thing as perfumers, like I had never even smelled a natural musk because they've been banned before my time. Right. So I only had ever smelled synthetic musk. And we whipped it up in just And a then few you weeks. whipped it up in four, in four weeks. Yeah, yeah. And then we were like, okay, that smells good, but you know what, synthetic ones, they still smell a little better. So, you know, you were like, okay, well, fine. And then another two weeks, so overall a month and a half, we got another sample, which was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely phenomenal. And that, for me, is the essence of... Um, the success of Sensogen as a biotech fragrance house. Because we have uh, the best biochemists that I can think of who have a wealth of experience in a lot of different categories. Like You, you guys always talk about the different platforms that you have, mm -hmm. and I have never heard any other biotech research company talk so clearly 
about the importance of having different platforms and knowing how to make them work together. Yeah. So Thanks. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe to explain to our listeners yes. again about our platforms, what Angelique is referring to there is a number of what we call molecular and, uh, and cellular platforms that allow us to make lots of different molecules uh, from the same amount of effort, essentially. So uh, all these fragrance molecules that we've been talking about are roughly categorized into four broad classes. And we have, again, platforms for each one of those classes from which we can produce many, many different things. After having spent a lot of time building up these platforms, that time's behind us now. So looking towards the future, it should be easier and easier for us to make every new molecule that we do. So, okay. Uh, but, you know, I think it's really important to think about the way things are made. I mean, that's probably the uh, bias of my experience talking there a little bit. And I also do think that consumers are increasingly thinking more about how things are made. And that gets us to maybe we want to dig on the sustainability topic of these fragrances a little bit more. So earlier, we we're talking about essential oils and, and biotech fragrances and, and a little bit about land use. And, and you know, I, I understand that with fermentation, of course, you still have to have inputs that I think are ultimately derived from agriculture. I know they're ultimately derived from agriculture. So how does the sustainability compare between, say, an essential oil-derived fragrance and a biotech-derived fragrance? So how does the sustainability compare between a biotech-derived fragrance and an essential oil-derived fragrance? Yeah, and for the moment, I'm excluding petrochemical-derived fragrances because obviously they're not sustainable because they come from oil. But, Absolutely. Yeah. First off, I think it's important to mention that we are looking forward to a future where we would have a larger amount of biotech molecules in a fragrance versus essential oils. Mm -hmm. Right now, the natural fragrances are only essential oils and they can contain very particular... So think about a painting. That might be easier um, to explain. Trying to make a piece of art with images that are already images and then sticking them together to make it look like a different shape is one thing. Mm -hmm. But if you just have little stamps of a given color, it's much easier, okay. right? Yeah. Because you can just put your blues and your reds instead of like, let me put a bunch of red images here to make it look red or let, you know, I or, see. right? Mm -hmm. So when you use essential oils, like we were saying earlier, they're a blend of ingredients already. Yep. So you would basically be using images to create another image. Right. Whereas biotech, because of the term, uh, the term, I think, precision fermentation is very helpful. You just make the one molecule mm. that you need to make. Yeah. So let's think about a very simple example. Like think about um, eucalyptus oil, mm -hmm. essential oil. Contains a bunch of ingredients. Yeah. But eucalyptol is really what gives the smell of eucalyptus to eucalyptus oil. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you just use the whole essential oil of eucalyptus, then you put a whole bunch of other things. And a lot of that stuff might not even have a fragrance. They might not even have a fragrance. They might not have a character that you really desire if you just really want the character of eucalyptol, mm -hmm. but you don't have the choice. Yeah. There's a lot of wasted carbon in there, There's a, as I would think about it as a chemist. There you go. It's, right. it's a lot of wasted carbon. And then for the same reason, you can have, there might be very special and rare essential oil that you seek because of the particular char odor, um, olfactive character that they have. Mm -hmm. But again, they might be hard to find. They might be costly in terms of sustainability to grow and extract. Right. And you might not be able to have a large amount that you would need for, for making a lot of fragrance. 
Whereas making it by fermentation, if you just make the molecule whose olfactive character you're looking for, then, you're then it's much more efficient. Using your resources more efficiently. More right. efficiently, more wisely. Absolutely. Right. So uh, that's where I see the benefit, the sustainable benefit of biotechnology over essential oils. Got it. Yeah, that's fantastic. And uh, But as you were talking, it occurred to me that there's obviously a secondary benefit to all that because, and you alluded to it yourself. I mean, sure, there's the sustainability aspect where for a given amount of inputs that are coming from an agricultural field, you can concentrate more on those into just, you know, the molecule that you actually want, right? And therefore, that whole thing makes it more sustainable. But it also allows you, I think, more flexibility as a perfumist in being able to make all kinds of different finished fragrances, different blends of, of fragrances. Absolutely. And that's, the, you just nailed it. You just nailed the massive benefit of biotechnology over natural fragrances using essential oils for perfumers mm -hmm. because, again, it's easier to work with single colors than to work with little pictures yeah. already made yeah. to make a painting. That's a huge advantage of uh, having, first, biotech molecules in your palette, but second, the partnership, the unique, the very unique partnership that Sensogen has with Conagen and working, you know, with you guys. So, because... It's not just one way, like I was describing earlier, where we're like, oh, can we make a, can you please make us a musk molecule? Mm -hmm. But also, I visited Conagen a few times and I walked in the lab and some of the biochemists just give me their plates and I'm like, hey, we're making this and we think it smells good. You know, what do you think? And it's, it's more using nature the way it functions and being like, oh, wow, nature can make a really large amount of this molecule. Does it smell good? Is it worth using? Instead of us directing and trying to forcefully recreate what synthetic chemistry gave us. Mm -hmm. I get right? it. It's basically all the flexibility of synthetic chemistry, or maybe even superior flexibility to synthetic chemistry, which yes. prompts me for another question, but also even superior sustainability over essential oils. I love it. It's great. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, then my very next thought is, uh, you know, just because I know a little bit about chemistry, even with synthetic chemistry, uh, there are certain limitations around the kinds of molecules you can make, right? And I think some of those are overcome by synthetic biology. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about, about that. Yes, that's another wonderful question, um, which uh, actually highlights another great success that Conagen has had with making fragrance molecules. There is a very traditional ingredient that every perfumer knows under different trade names. It's hedion. Mm. Hedion, which is also known, which uh, whose chemical name is methyl dihydrojasmonate. Jasmine, as in the jasmine flower? As in the jasmine flower, exactly. Um, and what's wonderful is that, so hedion in synthetic chemistry is what we called a commodity, a building block. Mm. We can use really big amounts. It's, it's wonderful. It, it fills the fragrance. It gives lift. It gives it volume. On its own, it smells pretty. But once you start to blend it with other ingredients, it it's taking the whole fragrance to another level. Just think about it like the glue between beautiful pearls or something. It just fills everyone. It makes every, it lifts everything. Makes everything look pretty. I love your visual descriptions <laughs> of fragrance. I mean, uh, yeah, synesthesia. Like, you, yes. I think that's a word, right? Oh yes, yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> thank you. So that's hedion for you, right? right? It's the glue that puts everything together. Now, I've heard of companies trying to make um, natural hedion by biochemistry and my understanding is that it's 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 really 
complicated mm -hmm. because I think nature does make a little bit of this, but I don't know how, how well it does it, how common it is. However, before you dehydrogenize the methyl jasmonate... Dehydrogenize. Dehydrogenize? Yeah. Yes. Methyl yeah. dehydro. Yeah. 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 yeah after, before you put two extra... Before you hydrogenate the double bond. I, I only repeated the word because, again, I think oh. our listeners might need a definition of oh, what sorry. you're talking about. Okay. So basically, methyl jasmonate and methyl dehydrogasmonate are related. Okay. They're like brother and sisters. Okay. Not exactly the same, but they're kind of same family. Okay. And nature does make methyl jasmonate. Okay. Nature has a harder time, I would think, making the methyl dihydro. I'm pretty sure you're right. Is yeah. that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so synthetically, a lot of molecules, a lot of fragrances that we know right now contain methyl dihydrogasmonate, hedion. Okay. But nature, if you want to make a natural fragrance, you would be very lucky if you could put your hands on some methyl jasmonate. Right. So if you were a Sensogen perfumer, then you uh, were a lucky perfumer. You're swimming in this stuff. You're swimming in this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my answer to yeah, your yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for that. Um, and uh, just uh, for our audience, I'd like to say that uh, it's also one of the most incredible uh, fragrances I've ever smelled. Uh, you know, it, it smells just actually even better than the jasmine flower because we can make it more potent in many ways. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's a very wild fragrance. So in general, though, like, you know, just tell me a little bit more about your profession in perfumery uh, in a general sense. Uh, I know we're trying to stay focused on how it connects to biotechnology and, and fermentation, but it's, uh, it's not a field that I have had a lot of familiarity with until I met you. Wow. Okay. So perfumery. Well, perfumery, it's interesting. It's both technical and creative mm -hmm. because I think you need to constantly think out of the box and you need to put yourself in the shoes of the person you're creating the fragrance for. So okay. perfumery, I think, is a really fun job because it allows us to touch the lives of a myriad of people mm -hmm. because in your life, anything in your house that smells pretty, that has a fragrance, whether it's your cologne, but th also your dish detergent, your laundry detergent. My candles. Your candles, your hand soap, your... Your lotion yeah. or your wife's body lotion yeah. or all of those products, they contain fragrance that are created by perfumers from fragrance houses. Sure. So they're everywhere. Bottom line, they're everywhere. It's amazing to be able to make a product, a fragrance, that is going to make a product more appealing to use, that's going to help convey the usage. Because think about it. It's an aesthetic art. It's it's very aesthetic. It's You have to... Like when you make laundry, mm -hmm. if you are opening your laundry detergent and it smelled like your woodsy candle, mm -hmm. I would bet that you were not so sure it was going to clean your clothes. Perhaps. But then again, I've always aspired to be a lumberjack. <laughs> <laughs> well, then maybe that's an idea. Maybe we need to, uh, we need, yeah. maybe we need to come with a creative um, It might be a small fragrance. segment, but sure. Yeah. It might be a little niche. <laughs> it might be a little niche, but that's true. <laughs> but um, so that's the idea. It's like um, making, making a fragrance that, that supports the use of the product, that makes it pleasant to use, mm -hmm. that sometimes has to cover the base odor, because if you've ever smelled a laundry detergent that did not contain any fragrance, yeah. for the same reason that you wouldn't use your lumberjack um, yeah. um, fragrance, you probably wouldn't use an unfragranced base. Yeah, I might use a pine. I associate the fragrance of pine with floor cleaner. 
right? Well, that's because your mom probably used pine saw. Right. But I wouldn't want people to associate that smell with my clothes. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's, um, it's funny because it's, so it is creative. So it's definitely an art form, but it's also very technical because you have to make sure that your fragrance is stable, that your fragrance performs. Right. Um, and depending on the application, you're going to have different um, parameters because, for example, if it's a, some, a fragrance that you put in a laundry detergent, you want it to smell good mm -hmm. when you wear your clothes. Mm -hmm. But if it's a fragrance you're going to put in your dish detergent, you don't really want your plate to smell of fragrance after you've washed them. Sure. That's right. Yeah. Because then you're going to think it's going to get in your it's food. Contaminate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very, um, so it is both like very scientific and very creative. I hadn't really thought about it in terms of that. I mean, I've I've always wanted to think of it, or I always traditionally have thought of it as just, you know, just an art. But it's constrained because it needs to communicate as well, too. I guess all art does in one way or the other. But mm -hmm. in your particular example, you're trying to communicate a purpose or a use. Very much so, because, like, think about it as, as an artist, as a, say, as a painter, you want to communicate a message. Whatever message you want to put out, is your message because it's your art. And, and often you're trying to allow the observer to in, make that interpretation. To make that interpretation. Right. Whereas when, when you make a fragrance for a given product, you have to support the product efficacy mm -hmm. using, uh, using your fragrance. Right. So it's, it's more constrained. And we haven't even touched about the regulatory restriction, the cost restriction, um, the performance, I, mean, I touched a little bit about them earlier, yeah. but performance is also um, a big issue. And if you think about it in terms of technical, like performance is based, so it's the performance that you want, for example, do you want it your fragrance substantive or not? But also... What does that mean? Oh, substantive. substantive yeah. something. So a, a very substantive fragrance is something that stays. Mm. So your laundry fragrance or your uh, softener fragrance needs to stay on the clothes. Right. But your dish detergent, your dish... A liquid dish, you don't want it to stay on your plates. Right. So it's not a substantive fragrance. I see. Right? But there's also the performance in terms like, say um, you want a fragrance bleach. Mm -hmm. The fragrance molecules have to be stable in a really oxidative media. Yeah. So that's another So, so again, for our technical. listeners, maybe we need to explain why it's, in, well, first of all, what oxidative means and, you know, why that's uh, potentially damaging and difficult to formulate. Well, people know what bleach are, right? Bleach, bleach. Yeah, is sure. Like everyone knows what bleach yeah. is. Yeah, um, and they know that it takes sort of you know make, makes things whiter, right? Exactly. But I don't know that most people know why it makes things whiter. Because it's very oxidating. Yes, I, I know that. It's corrosive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it takes the, the high move the, the hydrogens. I don't want to talk about <laughs> chemistry. <laughs> Perfumery is a really um, fascinating blend of art and technical um, mastery. Sure. Got chemical, it. chemical understanding of what you're trying to achieve. Got it. Got it. Thanks for that. Okay. So I was just dwelling as you were talking a little bit more on this concept of uh, substantivity, as you put it, uh, of fragrances, uh, things that uh, stay and have, uh, I, I would think of it as endurance is the way I would phrase it. But I, because I don't know anything about it, how, how do you go about making a substantive flavor, an enduring fragrance? Traditionally, um, so like I was saying, depending on the um, application, you need your fragrance to be more or less substantive. So traditionally, again, a laundry fragrance, especially a fabric softener fragrance, so a fabric, a fragrance for cleaning your clothes, you want your clothes to smell nice and clean afterwards. Mm -hmm. So you would expect your fragrance to stay uh, on the on the fibers. Right. So that, I guess, limits the palette of fragrances that you can use for that, right? And 
It does and it doesn't. Okay. Because before, before you smell your laundry out of the dryer or out of the washer, right. or before you wear it, you still have to um, have a pleasant experience as you pour the laundry detergent. Oh, that's right. You, you still have to have the pleasant experience as you take your wet laundry out of your washer and move it to your dryer. These are all called moments of truth. Mm. in consumer research, okay, um, and they have to be catered to. I see. So it has to be pleasant. But um, to answer your question, in order to make a fragrance substantive, traditionally you would think that something that stays is something that's not going to be washed off when you rinse off with water. Right, and that's intrinsic to its chemical properties. It, yep. Absolutely. Yep. So it has to be generally a, a bigger molecular weight. I see. Um, it has to, to stick to the fabric. Okay. Has to be a certain uh, water solubility, maybe? Possibly. Okay. Yeah, not too water soluble because you don't want it to wash off, but not too oily either because you don't want it to be floating on top and, and wash off as well. Oh, right, yeah. So it's a delicate balance. Yeah. It's also going to be dependent on the combination of all those ingredients. Yes. Because sometimes the ingredient on its own doesn't smell very strong. Right. But you can put a little pixie dust of another ingredient that's going to make this big molecule way more visible. Yes. Got so it. it's an art. And and I imagine there's similar similar principles at play when you're you know for a candle for instance I have candles on my mind because we had to light a bunch last night because my dog had gas. Oh. So, <laughs> but but you know like for a cinnamon candle for instance. Yes. Uh, it, it makes sense to me that again there's a selection of molecules that you can use for that they're going to hang in the air I guess right and diffuse properly. Absolutely. And in order for them to diffuse, first they got to they gotta be first blend in the wax, depending on the wax you're going to dissolve your fragrance in. Of course. Then they have to go through the wick. And then once they get on the wick, they have to evaporate in a way that they don't get burnt mm-hmm. at the um, where the flame is. Right, right. So sometimes you can have an ingredient that smells wonderful and then it gets to the burn and it smells awful. Right, because it's a because different it molecule because it's burned up. It gets completely burned up. Yeah. So that's that's a, that's a complete different set of characteristics that you have to think of hmm. uh, when you create fragrances for a candle. And that's why it's so tricky because you cannot just put a candle fragrance, let's say, in a body lotion or in a laundry detergent. Right. Because it's just not going to behave the way you want it. performance characteristics. Absolutely. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fascinating. So changing subjects a little bit, there are, of course, other companies in the world that are making fragrances and, and finished fragrances and, and the kinds of consumer packaged goods that we've just been talking about. What would drive a company to work with Sensogen for a fragrance? The beauty of Sensogen and its uniqueness is that we are a biotech fragrance house. We're exclusively focused on natural fragrances. And as far as I know, no other fragrance house has that conviction or that has that focus. So any company of finished goods that has some sort of internal mandate or internal endeavor to be accountable for their sustainability, to be accountable for their greenhouse gases emission, for their carbon footprint, could use help from a natural biotech-powered fragrance. And we at Sensengen have the expertise of making biotech fragrances. We have the support of Conagen to come up with creative new molecule that nobody has ever smelled. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and that will really allow us to make fragrances that compete with synthetic ones, because let's not forget the, the current market has a lot of synthetic fragrances. So anybody who wants to launch a new product is going to have this to compete with. Mm-hmm. But if you also want to be natural, unfortunately, if you just use a blend of essential oil, you're not going to compete right. with the big brands that are currently on the market. Right. Too limited. Too limited. But if you come to us, then we'll be more than happy to help you. Fantastic. 
Well, we are reaching the end of our time, unfortunately. And so to wrap things up, uh, I'd like to ask uh, Angelique if there's any advice that you could offer to any budding perfumers and fragrance enthusiasts in our audience who are intrigued by the world of innovative fragrances, especially those crafted by Sensogen. I always love to hear people, you know, when we go to conferences, uh, young women and men who come and ask me, you know, what, what does it take to be a perfumer? What could I do? What, what do you recommend? My first advice and what I always, which I always apply as much as I can is to be very curious and very open-minded and to smell with an open heart. Yeah. Anything, anything that you smell, just smell it and, and, and try to see how you can use this smell to create a wonderful product and think about the molecules that you know, how you could put them together to recreate that smell. I think also don't expect to create a natural version of what you know, but create something completely new and think about it in terms of the emotion you want to create and think about where does that fragrance transport you and then go with that. Smell with your heart. Smell with your heart. Thanks. Well, thank you, Casey, for having me and asking all those wonderful questions. It was really fun. If our listeners would like to connect with Angelique, please visit Sensogen's website, S-E-N-S-E-G-E-N.com, Sensogen.com. And thanks to all our listeners for tuning in to this episode of Forging Bio. Again, I have been your host for the episode, Casey Lipmeyer. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more, visit our website at forgingbio.com, where you can listen to every episode and connect with our guests. Together, we're forging the future of biotechnology. 